Can somebody tell me what the Sam Hill is going on around here? Well, we can't, sir. Well, who are you? With Nerd Alert Squad. Oh, it's alive! It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! Welcome to my nightmare. You like scary movies? Uh huh. What's your favorite scary movie? There are things that go bump in the night. Listen to them, children of the night. They're coming to get you, Barbara. What music they make! You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. We all go a little mad sometimes. There are rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. Number one, you can never have sex. I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. Number two, you can never drink or do drugs. Red rum! Red rum! Number three, never, ever, ever under any circumstances say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. They're here. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? Here's Johnny. I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. Matu, Marada. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. I'll be right back. Oh! Hello there, it's Obi-John Kenobi, your favorite host in all the podcasts, and welcome to your weekly Nerd Alert. We are, sadly, wrapping up spooky season today. Uh, and for those of you who are confused, because when this episode drops, it'll be November. But at the time of this recording, it's still spooky season. Um, a little peek behind the curtain, kids. We record in advance. Um Hope you didn't think these were live. Uh, but so <laughs> for us, spooky season is still not quite over yet. Uh, so that being said, we are going to cap off our spooky season and extend your spooky season with this episode. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed our specialty content this month. We tried to kind of uh, tailor things for our favorite time of the year. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. We tried to cover kind of all our bases. Um, but let me continue with today's show. Joining me, as most of the time, is my stalwart right-hand man, the man who keeps the nerd in the Talk Nerdy to Me network, Commander Scott. So, I looked up something here recently, um, uh, and and uh, it was was recommended to me that I should look this up. So I did, because after the recommendation, I was not curious. Um, About the invention of candy corn. Ah, the greatest Halloween candy ever invented. I actually like candy corn. Because oh. it never gets stale or hard or cracks teeth. That's because it's it's always stale and hard, but it's nummy. Um, uh, I also like those orange slices that, you know, you're supposed to like after you're, you're like 40. Um, but <clears throat> anyway, so uh, uh, apparently a gentleman named George Renninger, or Renninger, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, was an employee at the... The Wonderl Candy Company, Wonderl Candy Company in Philadelphia, and he created it sometime in the 1880s. Uh, they don't actually have uh, uh, an, exact. An, exact, an exact date on it, but uh, yeah, uh, the the Wonderl 
uh, company was the first ones to create it in the 1880s. In 1898, the Goel Golitz Candy Company, now known as the Jelly Belly Candy Company, okay. started selling their take on the recipe, but they called it Candy Chicken Feet. That, it doesn't that, doesn't quite roll off the tongue the same way. It doesn't. Um, however, Native, Native Americans called it Candy Maids. The candy. I, Oh, didn't God. just make that up oh. off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a real fact. Don't look it up. Just trust me. Okay. Anyway, they are the longest-standing <laughs> sellers of candy corn in history and still use the original recipe. It's not been changed since the late 19th century. Because right, candy corn never goes bad or stale. I think we already established that. Yeah. So why I actually would they think, change the I recipe? Think, yeah, I think they're still selling the first batch, too. <laughs> <laughs> that subtly explains everything. <laughs> Uh, get that vintage candy corn. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, well. Get the candy corn bags that say, I like Ike on them. <laughs> Those are the rare. The, the, the rare and sought after ones. Uh, well, it's just the two of us today. Because our resident expert on the size of that goddamn chicken uh, is not here today. So it'll just be the two of us, uh, which is fine, because today is a topic that I think is best suited for the two of us. Uh, if you don't know, Commander Scott hosts his own amazing show called House Rules that you can find right here on the Top Nerdy Media Network. All about board games and how to improve them for your enjoyment. Uh, House Rules, check it out, because today we're going to kind of tie into some of that. We're not really going to like House Rule stuff, but today's topic is... The best games to play during spooky season. Um, originally, this was going to be just board games. Then there was some shifting of, of who was going to be on. So it was retailored to be include video games and other stuff. And then there was some last minute reshifting again today. So we're going to kind of cover everything. But it was intended to be board games only. So we can lean into that a little bit. Uh, but these are our recommended games to play during spooky season. Scott, would you like to start us off? Well, um, sorry, you caught me chewing. That candy corn, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I had that candy yeah. corn started earlier You'll today. You'll chip a tooth, careful. Um, uh, now, when it, when it comes to games that have a somewhat of a spooky or macabre theme, I've, I've got several in my wheelhouse that I, that I like to play and break out uh, when I can. Um but one of them, actually, I've, I've picked up just recently, I think this past year, and I've only played it once. I want to get it back on the table. Um, but it's called uh, Abomination Heir to Frankenstein. Ooh. Wait, we played that. Yeah, we played it. We played With it over. Works. Yeah. 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 The Abomination, the Heir of Frankenstein. Um, That's H-E-I-R, not A-I-R. Sure, yes. Published in 2019, two to four players, about an hour and a half playtime. Uh, the basic premise is that everybody uh, is playing, excuse me, um, doctors, mad scientists, if you will. Um, uh, it's been 12 years since uh, Victor Frankenstein uh, died. Um, of course, the the creature lives on, as does you know Robert Walton. This is this is direct follow up to the the book. Uh, it's now 1819. 
and uh, uh, a mysterious benefactor uh, of gigantic stature has emerged in the scientific community, never showing his face, claiming to possess the late Frankenstein's research. And he sponsors a competition, basically, uh, uh, offering uh, the prize of unlocking the mystery of mortality. So renowned scientists from around the world come together to take part. Uh, some are, of course, drawn to try and solve the riddle. Others are coerced against their will. But you're all competing to build your own creature. Um, or you, because there's a, there's like an ethics uh, mechanic in it, too. Or you can... Uh, you can try to work against everybody else to, to keep it from coming out. It just depends on how you want to play it. Um, but yeah, you have to you have to rob graves, um, collect body parts, uh, repair those body parts, get them put together, uh, send electricity into them to to uh, uh, bring them to life uh, and everything. Uh, it's basically it's a worker placement game, uh, and and your your components can decompose over time. So like you can you can attempt, you you can grab something, and I, I believe the pieces for the creatures because there's like the torso, the head, left arm, right arm, left leg, right leg. Um, <clears throat> so they can you can get them in in a pretty good good condition, but they're double sided. So you can try and and bring them to life, um, but you can also screw it up, and it'll it'll deteriorate them so the you know the longer you have something the less viable it is it's got some really good mechanics it was a fun game it, it, it was uh, yes yeah I just, I just trying to remember my my thoughts finally like it was it was a good time it was i like the mechanic of uh collecting your body parts and the various uh, sources for body parts, you know, producing better quality body parts and uh, trying to beat the clock before your stuff deteriorates. You have to start all over again. And it was it was fun. Yeah, um, it, uh, it it did. Uh, uh, it, it's been a while since we played it, but it, it had some very like I said, some very good mechanics some great timing mechanics. Um. But uh, but yeah, I I would definitely add this. This is on my my staple for spooky season tabletop gaming. Solid first choice. I enjoyed it. Uh, well, I'm gonna follow your lead and talk about one of my favorite board games. Not only because I love the license, uh, the IP it's using, but because I think the game itself is really fun. Uh, you know me, I'm a fan of games that don't take an hour and a half to explain the rule set, that you can play one round and, okay, pick it up. Now nah, I know how this works. I got it. Let's go. Uh, there's a game company that, with every game they put out, I fall more and more in love with, and that is Ravensburger, or Ravensburger, however you pronounce it. Uh, they make really, really fun licensed IP games that are usually under 40 bucks, and you can find them at Target. Uh, the one I'm specifically talking about right now, uh, and there's there's a, a couple of versions of this I'm going to talk about. I'm talking about Horrified, the game based on the classic Universal Monsters. Very simple premise. You and the other players are the heroes, uh, and you're trying to save the town from being overrun by the monsters. I love this game because of all the variables included within the game. First of all, it, it's it's a quick setup. Put the board down, pick your monsters, 
pick your heroes, go. Uh, you have some some items you put on the board at random places, but then it, it's very quick. Within one round, you'll understand how the mechanics of the game work, and you'll, and you'll be able to go ahead, and you and your the rest of your players will be able to focus on strategy and playing the game and not trying to figure out the mechanics of the game. But essentially, you're trying to save villagers and complete certain steps in order to defeat the monsters uh, before you have either uh there's a uh, uh like not a clock but like a timer system at the top of the the board you have so many i think so many um attacks or, or villagers to get killed before the game is over uh so there, there's a a you know impending sense of we've got to hurry uh but what i love about it is you can scale the game for and it's designed this way uh depending on the number of monsters you pick and which monsters you select each one has a mini game you have to, to get through before you can defeat them. So, for example, Creature from the Black Lagoon, you've got to get to his lair and then drive your boat through his lair to get to him. And that's a mechanic of depositing certain colored items uh, when you're on the boat uh, to, or sorry, when you're when you're at the the dock or whatever it is to move the boat along. And the creature during his special attack, if he gets to do his special attack, bumps the boat back. So there's a little bit of a tug of war there. Uh, Dracula, you have to find and destroy his four coffins before you can take him out. Things like that. But they scale, they get more difficult. Uh, the Mummy has a whole puzzle-solving game you have to get through before you can attack him. Uh, the the Wolfman, you have to uh, find and, and get, yeah, discover the, the cure uh, and administer the cure to him. Invisible Man, you've got to collect evidence he exists and turn it into police. So on and so forth. It, it, it's fun. But depending which monsters and how many monsters you pick, you can scale the difficulty of the game up or down for new players, for experienced players, for fewer players, for more players. Really, really fun. Um, and they have a brand new version out this year that I still haven't played. Uh, Whitney and I tracked a copy down because we couldn't wait to get our hands on it. There's Horrified. American Monsters, which is, from what I can tell, because again, I haven't played it yet, essentially the same thing as Horrified, but all the monsters have been changed. They are based on cryptids. So you have, instead of, you know, Dracula, Wolfman, Frankenstein, you've got Chupacabra, Bigfoot, the Jersey Devil, the Ozark Howler, the Mothman, and the Banshee of the Badlands. Uh, the gameplay is the same. You and the other players are the heroes trying to save the town. Uh, only instead of things like professor and archaeologist, you have uh, government agent, mountain man, cryptozoologist, scout. Uh, those are the 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 abilities are the same, uh, and the gameplay is very much is, is pretty much the exact same. It's just all the fluff has kind of been changed, and then the monsters themselves again all have unique mini games to. Um, to defeating them so like bigfoot you have to find the uh, pieces of the pictures of bigfoot and then assemble them to prove he exists things like that um i haven't played the newer version yet but it's really exciting i, I love that they're doing something uh something new with the the horrified brand because it's really fun and and me and Whitney sat here and, and you know talked about other versions they could make that'd be really cool because i love the game it's really fun. It's quick and easy to pick up, and it is super themed to your horror movie stuff. So, bam, horrified and or horrified American monsters. My first pick. So, um, in horrified American monsters, uh, which, yes. which my character? 
I know it's in there because I looked at all their special abilities and they're the exact same. I yeah. forget which one got that skin though, or that ability. That ability. Uh, so that's one of my things I love about this game is the fact that I can play it, but I never actually have to move my piece. <laughs> uh, my my goal in playing this game is to play this game and never touch the board. <laughs> if that's entirely possible, I, I haven't quite done it yet because sometimes I have to to touch a token or two. But mm-hmm. at some point, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this and never actually lay hands on a piece. Because uh, the, the for 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 those who may be listening, the, the the character that I like to play in Horrified is I think he's the professor in in I believe so the original. And basically, his special ability is I get to use one of my move actions to move another player. Uh, so literally, I, I never move my player unless I'm forced to because a monster comes in and kills me, um, which is rare. I think it's only happened once or twice. But I never move my character because because I, I use my moves to get other people where they need to be. Uh, and and it's, it's quite fun that way. Uh, I'm looking at the board game Geek entry for... American monsters, yeah, and it looks like people people have put up PDFs of several custom monsters for the game. Nice. You've got uh, they've got the Beast of Bray Road. I don't know that one. I'm um, assuming it's local to whoever made it. Uh, I've heard of it. Okay, uh, a Wendigo. Hey, hey, now you're talking. Uh, the Gray. I don't know what that is. Uh, uh, the Lizard Man of Space. No, sorry. The Lizard Man of Scape or Swamp. Uh, based on a lizard man from South Carolina that's been known to attack cars through the swamp. Okay, uh, sure. And uh, the Bear Lake Monster. Well, it's interesting. So one of the things um, Whitney pointed out that I hadn't even noticed or realized about the new game is um, so in the classic Horrified, you have Creature from the Black Lagoon, who is the only character who can move on the waterways. Yeah. However, in the new game, there is no creature that moves on waterways. And in fact, the, the game board has changed up. It does not have waterways. Yeah. Uh, the Bear Lake Monster entry here said, this one was a fun challenge because this game does not lend itself to water dwellers as well as the last one does. Yeah. Or like at all, basically. So interesting. Uh, no, but again, I love... This is the kind of game where you could just keep putting out like monster expansions for. Um, and granted, I don't think Ravensburger is a game company that really does expansion sets at all. They're, they're sort of, yeah, they do a whole new game or nothing at all. Um, but if they ever did a Kickstarter or ever did sell some stuff, I mean, I know they do. I think they're the ones that do um, Villainous, that Disney game. And yeah. that's gotten some you know, expanded sets to add new characters. So like, like. You know, add Phantom of the Opera or... Uh, well, it's fun to mention that because I hopped over to the original Horrified's entry uh-huh. to see if they anybody had done custom for the original. Mm-hmm. First one on the list uh, in, in the in the forums is Phantom of the Opera. Right? Yeah. You horrified. The mutant from uh, This Island Earth, who for some reason always gets lumped in with the, the Universal Monsters. Uh, no, I mean, there's... it's. Again, the the gameplay is simple enough you can pick it up right away, but it's it's also um, that's what I'm looking for. Um, it is vague enough that you can kind of add to it as you go. Um, 
So it literally, like I said, you start the game and you decide how many monsters you want to fight and which, which, so two or three, and then, okay, which other ones to pick from do you want to go against? So they could just put out uh, new sets yeah. for, for, you know, days with well, just adding new, uh, new monsters. Yeah, well, I mean, just looking at the custom ones that are available for it here, we got the Fly, the Blob, the, oh, children, fly. the children of the Damned, Headless Horseman. Uh, let's see here, Krampus. Krampus. Yeah, no, that works. <laughs> so you've got. Uh, so if you want, you can download the Krampus and and uh, and play it. Uh, uh, play it at Christmas time too. <laughs> I don't like it. So yeah, they got some good stuff. We're going to try some of these. Had I known better, I think one year at Gen Con, I didn't even know the game existed yet, but they did a Gen Con exclusive figure for Invisible Man that was a translucent figure. Uh, last time I checked, it went for stupid money on eBay, but that would have been cool. Usually the con exclusives uh, uh, will go for... Uh, stupid money yeah well there you go horrified uh and ravensburger if you're listening um make more monsters maybe talk to whoever has the rights and make a monster squad version of the game That'd be so nice. me, me and scott don't have to keep working on our prototype <laughs> yeah good to get back to that too yeah so scott what else you got well, another one that I love getting on the table, uh, especially around this time, and 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 I, I at some point I plan to run uh, a uh, if my themed event idea for uh, uh, for the local gaming conventions takes off, if it's actually popular, and I keep doing it, I'd love to do one um, at Sin City Con because it's in October. Uh, uh, the game Fury of Dracula, which I don't mm, think yes. you've played yet. I have not, but I keep hearing, and it sounds amazing. So, Fury of Dracula, the first edition of the game, came out in 1987. I did not get a copy of it until the third edition. So, first edition uh, came out in 1987. Second edition uh, came out in 2005. And I forget who had... I think Games Workshop had the license for it at that time. Then they lost it. And then in 2015, Fantasy Flight got a hold of it, so they put it back out uh, in the third edition. And they've done a fourth edition, but um, I didn't get that. Uh, it, it's basically the exact same game, but it has painted minis instead of unpainted minis. Oh. Um, different rule book, different size cards and stuff. But it, as far as I know, even the fourth edition is back out of print again. So, you know, pretty much anything. If you want to get a copy of it on eBay, it's 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 100 plus. Uh and some of them, uh, some of the fourth edition ones are going going pretty high. I saw one in the four hundred, but that could just be a wishful thinking per, on on the the part of the seller. So the game uh, is basically a um, direct uh, sequel to the novel. Once again, just just like the last one, I I, I seem to like games like this. But uh, it's it's a it's a sequel to the novel. Uh, it's it's two to five players uh, with one person. It's a one versus all with one person playing Dracula and the other one's playing uh, basically the hunters uh, from the the novel. So you've got uh, Mina, 
who is married to Jonathan Harker now, but Jonathan Harker is not in the game. He's home taking care of the kids. Um, Nina is married to Jonathan? No. No. Am I getting my character Lucy? Wrong? Lucy. I thought... Wait, no, 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 no. You're right. You're right. Never mind. Never mind. Yeah. Don't listen Lu- to me. Lu- yeah, Lucy's the one that gets killed by Dracula. Yeah, yeah. Don't listen to me. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Mina's... Uh, uh, you play uh, Mina... Um, uh, Von Helsing... Uh, and there's two of the doctor, Dr. Seward. Mm-hmm. I forget who the other one is. Quincy? I always, maybe. I, I forget. I always forget the other one. Um, but basically, they, they, you find out that Dracula survived his encounter with, with the hunters in the novel. Uh, I forget how many years it's, it, it's, it's after, uh, the, the first one or the first encounter of the novel, but, uh, it's, it's several years later. They find out that Dracula is alive. And he's back in Europe. So your game board is basically Europe. And um, it uses a hidden movement system that I love. So there is a there is a mini for Dracula, of course, but he's not on the board. Uh, he stays off to the side. And for every location on the board, there's a there's a deck of cards and there's a card for every location. And so there's a track. And what you have to do is you, you take where you're going to place Dracula and you find the lo- the location card and you place it, you know, face down on the track. And uh, uh, when you make when you make your next move, when Dracula makes his move, you take he, he moves that card up and places another card. And it's always the card closest to Dracula is the one where he's currently at. Uh, and of course, that means that he can't cycle back around until those cards fall off the track. Um, and there's rules for like, if um, uh, anybody uh, is, is on the space and the other turn of Dracula, he has to reveal um, they can, they can, they can look when they can do an investigation to see if they are, if he was there to get on his trail and everything. It's a wonderful mechanic. It's great. I, I love it. Um, and also there, there's two other things. So there's a there's a few waterways, water spaces that he can he can get on because he can move by ship. But the backs of those cards are different than the um, uh, than the land. So when he moves on to the when you when he moves on to water, you'll know he's on water. The, 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 they won't know where he's out of the water, but they'll know he moved from land to water. And. He can only heal when he's at Castle Dracula. Oh. But the Castle Dracula card has a unique back. So when he moves to Castle Dracula, the hunters will know he's at Castle Dracula. Interesting. Uh, It it works. It works beautifully. Um, And in addition to the location cards, he can also place... um, He can also place uh, basically uh, small... um, uh, covens of vampires and um, uh, um, like the, 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 the devil dogs and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. he can place those as traps for, for the hunters, for them to you know, encounter basically. And so they're moving by, by carriage and by rail and, and from, from location to location, they're hunting, they're basically hunting down Dracula. Uh, and stuff. It's got a, it's got a nice little thing. There's day phases and night phases. Um, 
uh, I'm, I'm trying to, to think of what else was that was just really good. Um, but yeah, so basically he's trying to he's trying to spread his influence around in Europe. So Dracula wins if he gets his influence tra- track to 13. The hunters win if they can defeat him before then. Um, but yeah, it, it's a it, it's a wonderful game. It looks gorgeous. I mean, just just the art for this game is is beautiful. And if you like one, if you like one versus all, hidden movement rules, and of course the theme uh, for Dracula is always uh, the the plus. Um, then uh, this is a beautiful game, and I would highly recommend you get it. Nice. Yeah, I am very much looking forward to playing that. Uh, we've talked about that for years, and I. Well, we, we still haven't got my hands on it yet. Just need to organize a a, a place play day. True. Just get some, get some people. I think. Uh, um, I think Whitney would like it too. Yes, she would. Until she loses, but. Uh, so, uh, I'm not going to stray too far from the formula here for my next pick. Um. This one is, it's not a board game. It's not a video game. You could technically technically call it a card game because it does involve cards, but you don't actually need cards. You can literally just do this with scrap paper at home or index cards or whatever. It's a game that really is all about the people you're with and your imagination. It's a game I tried to get organized uh, this past weekend during SpookyCon, but it didn't quite happen. Um talking about werewolf uh aka mafia it's essentially the same game different coat of paint um all you need is a group of friends seven minimum a deck of homemade cards in your imagination here's how it works if you've never played the game uh you assign everyone a role uh so first of all there's a moderator someone who kind of like hosts the game uh, and works as like a narrator however you want to describe it everyone else uh, you, you make your cards and then you randomly hand them out to people and that tells them what they are for that game. You have a seer, a doctor, two wolves, and then everyone else is a villager. Uh, the wolves are trying to kill the players until they're the only ones left. Uh, the doctor chooses one player to save or heal each night and then the seer chooses one player to have their identity revealed to them by the moderator You play it in rounds. Each round, nighttime falls. The wolves wake up and decide who they want to kill. They go back to sleep. The doctor wakes up, decides who they're going to to heal for that round or save, whatever. They go back to sleep. Seer wakes up, points to a person they want to see the, the identity of. The moderator gives them a signal to tell them who that person is. They go back to sleep. Everyone wakes up, and the moderator, judging on what happened that night, kind of paints the story for you. Um... And uh, in the daytime, you reveal who was killed or saved. Um, And then everyone guesses uh, who the wolves are and whether or not they should kill them. And it's a game of ruining friendships and (laughs) subtle body language. And, well, I think this person's a wolf because when they said wolves wake up, I heard them move. You know, that kind of thing. Um, the game is as fun as the group you're with wants to get into it. Um, I know a lot of people play a version uh, called Mafia, which is again the same game, different different names for the titles and whatnot. You're trying to guess who the the, the snitch is, I think, or who the hitman is. I don't know. I never, I never play Mafia. 
because Wolfman's better. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of other roles you can assign depending on how advanced your group is and how big your group is. Uh, in fact, for every four players past the seven minimum, you add another uh, werewolf to the mix. Uh, so you can scale this up or down as, as, as far as you need to. And it's, again, it's fun because it's not about tokens on a board or uh, strict rules or, you know, uh, structure like that. It, it's, I mean, there's structure to it and whatnot, but it, it's it's more about the experience you make. No two games are ever the same. Uh, and, and really what makes or breaks this is your your moderator slash host slash narrator, whatever you want to call them, uh, the person running the game. Uh, if they've got a good imagination, if they know the group really well, um, this can be a great time. We used to play this all the time uh, after hours for conventions. Uh, it's best played, and I recommend this, after everyone's had a couple of drinks, turn off all the lights, light some candles, kind of set that mood, get some creepy music going in the background, and just have at it with this game. It's so much fun. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen the published, you know, versions. You can buy a copy of Werewolf and such, but like you said, I mean, you you don't have to buy it. You can get online, find the rules, and and you know, make up, and just just because it's just cards with rolls on it. And stuff. Yeah, and literally all we ever do is get scratch paper or index cards, and you write you know W for Werewolf, V for Villager, S for Seer, whatever. Um, but again, you can you can get a little more creative with it because there's a bunch of different roles. There's a hunter. Um, there, there's like one that has like a wizard or something in there, isn't, isn't there? That I don't. I haven't played with that. I think it's, um, it, I think it's called. I saw. I saw it uh, as called Werewolf Ultimate. Uh, Ultimate Werewolf, yeah. Werewolf, yeah. Um, I know they play this quite a bit at Gen Con. Um, like literally at Gen Con every every year. At, at one point, the the entire hallway down the length of the convention center is just lined with uh chairs in circles um i think they they usually have anywhere from eight to ten circles set up of yeah with like 20 to 30 people per circle exactly and they're filled people love this game um that's too big of a group for me especially in an area that crowded i like i think it's best played in an intimate setting and by that i mean like someone's living room uh with a bunch of people you know uh, because sort of like the thing, and this kind of ties in directly to why I love the thing so much. If it's a group of people you uh, that all know each other, that's when the game gets really fun. Because there's no, uh, I'm trying to be polite because I don't know these people, or I don't, you know, the better you know these people, <laughs> the more crap you know about these people, uh, the more your comfort zone with everyone you're playing with is, the more fun the game gets. It's also I, I could could not imagine trying to run one of these games with a group that large in a hallway at Gen Con with like five other groups playing at the same time. That just sounds super chaotic. I don't know. They do it. They do it every year. I, no, I mean more power to them. I hope they all have a great time. It's it's yeah. awesome to see them and people uh, really loving the game. But uh, that, that it's a bit too big for me. Well, also um, we have a guy that that runs it here at Lexicon and uh, Sin CityCon every year as well, uh, and and he usually he usually has a, a group of about twenty, and that's not terrible. Yeah, he usually has a group about about twenty going, and the one thing, but uh, one of the interesting things that I, I was chatting with him about, you know, because turning getting the room set up uh, for the after party and then getting him an area to to run Werewolf in. He he doesn't like to have his 
uh, chairs in a circle. When he's okay. running, he likes to have his chairs in a U shape so that there's there's the that he can be at one end of it. That makes a lot. Yeah, yeah I can see that. And the reason he does it is because he used to run it in the round, mm-hmm. but he found out that people were being able to deduce who roles were by which way he was facing. If he was yeah. facing away from them or toward them when he was telling certain people to wake up. So he solved that by going to a U shape so that everybody is always in front of him. So he doesn't have to turn. Very smart. Important safety tip. Thanks, Ego. Oh, yeah. So play your werewolf games in a U. Uh, but no, if you've never if you've never tried the game before, again, you don't need. You can go out and buy the ultimate werewolf. You know that has like all the different roles and whatnot. But really, you you don't need anything other than a group of friends willing to play it and an imagination, and you can make it work. That's why I love the game is you can play it anywhere with anyone. Um, and again, it's the rules are very simple. <laughs> You're assigned your role. You, you go to sleep at night. The the moderator wakes you up in turn. And and really, it's on the moderator to make or break the game for you. Um, yeah. And you wake up and find out who died. And okay, start accusing people. Uh, and that's when the fun begins. Yay. I don't know. Yeah. I like it. I love this game. It's a good time. Uh, Could not talk Koran into running one for us at, at the, this past weekend, though. Sure. Well, that's just annoying. See, I was looking for playing, you know, uh, uh, horrified American monsters and werewolf. So, mm. well, we had too many people to run horrified. So I thought, oh, we'll do werewolf. Everybody can play that. Yeah. <sighs> he, he said nay nay. He did. He said nay nay. Thank you, Mr. Panette. Uh, what's your next choice? Well, I mean, so this. Uh, one of my favorite games of all time, actually. Even though it's it's not the, the the most balanced game in the world, it's got its problems and flaws, and and something we will be uh, diving into in in house rules at some point. Uh, but it came out in two thousand four originally. Uh, I believe the original was done by Avalon Hill. I'm not sure who does the current one right now. I think it's Wizards of the Coast. Um, but it's a game called Betrayal at House on the Hill. Uh, and you played I it. I say nay, nay. I don't know why you hate this game. Nay, nay. This game has everything in it you love. <laughs> this game is the quintessential haunted house game. I had one bad experience, uh, and I hate this game. Once again, this game has everything in it you love. It is the quintessential haunted house game. Uh, and yes, you had a bad experience because everybody has at least you know some bad experiences with this game because it is totally not fair. This game is not fair. This game is not balanced. This is a game that it is. So first of all, you are a bunch of strangers who got stranded at this spooky house on a hill. Um, one night, one dark and stormy night. You start out with the entryway tile, which has three rooms. It's basically the entryway, a little bit of a like a foyer, and then the grand staircase. You have the um, uh, the the second level landing, and you have the basement landing. Okay. And and that's the base game. And you basically explore this house. So you you move into an an an, an un like you move through a door 
into a space that doesn't have a tile yet and you draw a tile that's appropriate for that level because the back of the tiles all say it, it'll either go on the ground floor, the upper floor, the basement, or it could go on multiple. So you, you, you find the next one that has that and you, uh, you, you lay it down and it'll have symbols on it that, that is either an event will happen, uh, you found an item, you'll draw from the item card, or it'll have a raven, a silhouette of a raven on it, and that's an omen card, which is usually something bad can happen to you or it can be an item. And when you, when somebody draws an omen card, um, you roll dice to see if you trigger what is called the haunt. And um, uh, basically, in the base game, you have to roll uh, less than the number of omen cards total that have been drawn from the game. Okay. So the first one is probably not likely you're going to trigger the haunt. Second one, maybe third, fourth, you start getting the where you can you could trigger the haunt. And then when the haunt triggers, you basically look at a chart, and it's which omen card in which room um, will tell you which plot you're 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 um, you're triggering, which haunt you're triggering. And the game has 50 different ones. And I don't think I've ever played the same one twice in all the years that I've owned it, because I've never gone through them all. Um, But when this happens, the game completely changes because one person, and it's different, you know, depending on the scenario, one person you find out is a traitor. It is not, not what they appear to be, that they are the ones that have lured you to this house for whatever the plot is and stuff. And... So then the the person who's the traitor takes the traitor tome and they go into another room and they will read now what they have to do to win. And then the other, the survivors, the other people, then read the survivor's handbook and they get to find out what they now have to do to win. And with a game that has 50 different scenarios, I'm sorry, they're not all balanced. Some are good, some are eh. Some are like, wow, that's impossible to win for the survivors or that's impossible to win for the whatever, you know. Um... And yeah, I mean, I, I've you know, I, the house is flooded and drowned, drowned me. The the house has uh, taken off, and I wasn't able to get a parachute and get and get get off in time, and it suffocated me in the upper atmosphere. I've been turned into a doll collection. I've uh, this thing has killed me in so many different ways. It's not funny, <laughs> uh, but I still love it. It's it's it is a great game. I I know it it can be unfair at times. But the game also has an expansion called Widow's Walk, which adds the attic, uh, another level to the house, and 50 more plot lines. So, you know, a game, if you have the expansion with 100 plots, I'm sorry, they're not all going to be fair. Uh, but I still love the game. The game also, there's also a legacy version of the game uh, where you tell the story as you play through the different scenarios and you you alter the house and things permanently as you play just like any good legacy game. It's a great version of it. Um, there's also a D&D version of it, Betrayal at Baldur's Gate. I don't care for this one that much. It, it, it's, an, it's an interesting idea theming it for Dungeons & Dragons, but they changed the haunt mechanic, and I think the haunt triggers too quickly in that game because I've not played a game where the haunt is not triggered by turn three. Uh, yeah, it just it, it happens too fast because they changed the mechanic. And they've also done, and, and I own a copy of this one. I don't own the D&D one, um, but they've done a uh, Scooby-Doo version. That was fun. Which is which is basically Betrayal Light. Uh, they've taken out some some rules. They've, they've kind of, 
I'm, I'm not going to say dumbed it down because it's not dumbed down, but they've simplified it for younger players. So, it, so if you have younger players, um, it, it really is a, a great intro, you know, to, to get them into gaming and and to uh, to get them into betrayal itself, and then just play that until they're old enough to play full on betrayal. So, What's the Scooby Doo version called? Um. Scooby-Doo Betrayal at Mystery Mansion. I had to put that side down for a second. That was fun. Uh, you, you talked me into playing that. At first, where I'd never play Betrayal again. Um, but no, I, look, I'll, I'll put it this way, Scott. Um, I had a bad experience, yes. But I'm willing to try it again. I, I'm so willing to try that I got Whitney a copy of this for Christmas last year or the year before. It's still in the plastic. We haven't played it yet. But we own a copy. Sweet. So I'm I'm not unwilling to try it again. Yay! In it's fact, like... this is. I'm glad you brought it up because it was one of the games um, that I thought of when I when we talked about this topic. So you're much more experienced with it than I am. I'm glad you brought it up. Well, I mean, like, like I said, the game, the game has been very unfair to me over the years as well, but. I, I just I love the idea of the game. I love the fact that the the house is never the same twice. So there's all it's infinitely replayable. Uh, each miniature has two different characters you could potentially play them as, um, uh, and and the way the stats and stuff work. Um, yeah, uh, it's just everything they've done with this game uh, is, is very well. I I still have a copy of the the first edition from from uh, from Avalon Hill. Um, so I, I don't know exactly what all has changed between first and second edition. And like I said, I own the Scooby-Doo version as well. One of the things that they did in the Scooby-Doo version that I like, because everybody plays one of you know, Mystery Inc. Uh-huh. Uh, but instead of somebody being a, a, a traitor in that one, because, you know, they would, the, the gang doesn't betray each other. It's for young, younger audience and everything. Um, that's basically when somebody becomes, quote unquote, the traitor, that character, it's, it's where they split up. And you just don't see that character again. They're off wandering, doing their own thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to trying it again. Yeah. Getting screwed over on turn one again. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, well, okay. I'm going to sh- switch gears here mm-hmm. a little bit. Because like I said, I, I, I prepped for this a couple times. Because uh, the hosts kept dropping and joining and dropping and joining, um, but uh, I will target this at you, Scott, because you are a fan of PlayStation VR. I am. And this game, I am ninety percent certain, is available on PlayStation VR, uh, and I will never play it on PlayStation VR because I was terrified enough as it is just playing it on my TV. I have talked about this franchise before, but I don't think I've talked about this game, Resident Evil Seven is the game I am talking about. Leading up to this, the Resident Evil franchise was in a very bad spot. Uh, Slowly and steadily since part four, the games had gotten more and more action-oriented, less and less about horror. So with part seven, they basically brought Resident Evil back to its glory by completely ignoring and breaking all the rules. Biggest thing that changed 
uh, no longer third person perspective. Resident Evil 7 is all first person. You're not fighting zombies in a city or a secret underground lab. You're not fighting giant crocodiles or anything, you know, as outlandish and crazy as the game had become. It's back to basics. You are looking for your wife. You are being stalked and terrorized. You're on a, a plantation home by a crazy, I'll borrow a term from Cabin in the Woods, redneck torture family. Zombie redneck torture family. Sorry. Um, so think somewhere along the lines of uh, the original Texas Chainsaw. Uh, but the whole thing is from first person perspective. Uh, you play as Ethan Winters looking for his wife in a rundown plantation. Uh, they drew inspiration from Evil Dead and uh, the original Texas Chainsaw. Um, there are no zombies. Instead, you fight, again, the Baker family and you fight um, the Molted. Sorry, the Molded. Can't read my own handwriting. Uh, which are humanoid fungal creatures, which sounds goofy, but I assure you it was terrifying as all hell. Uh, so like any other game, it's it's a mystery. You are going through areas and re-exploring areas, looking for certain items, uh, trying to solve the mystery of what happened to you, your wife and what's going on with this family and what happened in these woods, while at the same time having very scarce resources uh, and, and given just enough rope to hang yourself with as far as you know weapons and whatnot. Um, I have not finished the game. I rented it and played it over a weekend and again, playing it on my couch on my TV in, in the middle of the afternoon was terrifying enough. So when they announced there was a VR version coming out, I was like, I don't think I'm brave enough to do that. Uh, but if you have a PlayStation VR, you should definitely check it out because this will scare the shit out of you. Uh, I, this, I don't want to say a whole lot about it, but, uh, this game was so good. It, 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 again, a lot of people might get down on it for not having the feel of a Resident Evil game, and it doesn't. Uh, but as far as survival horror, this game is top notch, and I'm, uh, I am a fan of the survival horror games. But so I haven't played Resident Evil since the first one. You don't need to know anything about the storyline. No, that's fine. Okay. But, so I remember playing the first one way back when it came out. Uh-huh. And because uh, actually it was it was when I when I when I was at EKU, uh, my my roommate had uh, a PlayStation and Resident Evil, and he was he, he liked to play it. You know, I, I came in a couple of nights and he had the lights off and everything. And he was playing it and I started watching him and I'm like, "Well, this is creepy as hell." <laughs> you know, just just watching him play it. Uh, like I, I still remember that that first the first time you see a zombie in that game. Because you're in the you're in the that creepy mansion thing. Yep. And I think you, you go to the right to the, the dining room or something, and the zombie is is eating on the far side. When you come up to it or something, it, it like slowly turns and looks over its shoulder at you, and then yeah, stuff. Um, I wasn't a fan of playing the game though, uh, because that that third person over the shoulder kept screwing me up I, I couldn't i kept walking into stuff i couldn't get around things the controls and those original games are even at the time terrible but by today's standards horrific um pun intended that the the camera is fixed and you move around pre-rendered backgrounds and it's like a pivot uh, and move system. But yeah. depending where you're oriented, when you go from one screen to the next, 
it gets very confusing as to what button do I need to push to go that way now. Uh, it can be very disorienting. Yeah. Uh, it's incredibly frustrating, especially when you're trying to... Uh, you can't run and shoot at the same time. You've got to stop to draw your weapon and then kind of pivot like a tank turret to fire. Um, which some people will argue leads to, uh, it, it lends to the the terror of the game of, you know, I've, I've got to learn to shoot and, and move quickly. Um, and, and I can't depend on being accurate because it's hard to hit anything with that game. Uh, but yeah. it's terrible. Uh, uh, and, and, and it's one of the things I'm glad with the, when they started re- doing remakes of the originals, they threw that um, control mechanic right out the window. Yeah. Well, it was because of that. I think I, I never really invested into the, the whole franchise and played the rest of them or anything. So I just didn't like playing the first one. Um, but, you know, now that you tell me that the Resident Evil 7 not only is first person, but it's VR, I may have to get this. And if you're looking, Scott, for just a good VR experience, uh, there's a game the Doc and I have spoken about ad nauseum on this show as perhaps the greatest survival horror game ever created. And I am pretty sure it's on VR, too, and that's Alien Isolation. Oh, I'll, I'll take a look at that as well. Um, I was looking at a review of the Resident Evil Seven VR, though. Uh huh. So one of the one of the problems with the PSVR, and this is why you haven't seen more titles like Resident Evil and stuff um, uh, push into into VR right now, is because the the graphics capability of the PSVR headset is nowhere near that of what the PS4 and the PS4 Pro can do. Um, so you know how everything looks super realistic, you know, in in, the, in Resident Evil Seven. From what I'm reading here, it was one of the one of the high points of the game was was the the visuals. Uh huh. Those visuals are apparently I haven't seen it yet, but but severely scaled back in the VR version. Mm. Um, because it just does not have the processing ability to to run that high of a resolution. And it's one of the things, so there's another game uh, that's out there called um, something that I can't remember right now. It's uh, <laughs> the, the Space Exploration game, and, and I'm blanking on its name. No Man's uh, Sky? Yeah, No Man's Sky. Uh, great game, love it. Uh, I play it on, on VR as well, but like if if you look at it, it's night and day difference between graphics, regular play, and VR. Uh, I don't play it regular, and I play it VR. Part of the reason is because I started in VR, which means I know the VR controls. And if I try to play it regular with a regular controller, I have no idea how to do anything. <laughs> Fair enough. So, but yeah, uh, uh, I'll, I'll check these two out because uh, I think especially if I play them VR, I'll never notice, notice what I'm missing. If you've never played Alien Isolation, it is not only a fantastic survival horror game, it is the best alien game ever made. Uh, and it and it is, to date, the best sequel to Alien. Uh, some would say we've ever gotten. Uh, and I'm partial to Aliens, I won't lie. But as far as a straight sequel to the first movie, this game is top-notch. Uh, you play as... Uh, crap. Amanda Ripley. Sorry, my brain brain blanked. Uh, so in Aliens, the director's cut is revealed Ripley had a daughter 
who died while she was in stasis. So this game in Alien Isolation, you play as that daughter who is working out in space for Wayland Yutani, trying to find what happened to your mother when all of a sudden a salvage crew turns up on a space station with the black box from the Nostromo. Yeah. Which starts your story off. So you're you're sent by the company. Uh, it's kind of a PR thing uh, to go to this station to pick up the black box uh, and, and, and find out what happened to your mother. And the title alone should tell you things don't go well. Uh, I won't say any more if you haven't played the game or experienced the story. The gameplay is amazing. The, the, the team perfectly captured that feel of that retro 70s future of the first alien movie, that truckers in space aesthetic. Um, the space station you're on, it's not a ship, it's a space station. So you have a lot bigger area to play with. Um, it looks straight out of the original movie. They nailed the look of it. Uh, all the tech is that big old, you know, tube TV uh 70s retro high-tech stuff uh, it's great i can't recommend it enough just go play it all righty you um, prepared to die a lot and just embrace the fun that is being killed by a xenomorph they have very nice kill animation screens to look at you'll see them a lot i will do that um because yeah, I, I I like the VR games. Um, I like playing uh, uh, Skyrim VR, uh, of course, Bridge Crew stuff like that. Uh, and I really want more VR games. I'm really looking forward to PSVR two when it finally comes out for PlayStation Five. Right. Um, but right now, it, it, it they've it, they've said yeah, it's in development. It will not be to to 2021. Uh, it might be 2022, but they've not released any kind of a uh, uh, release date for a time frame yet. So, gotcha. yeah. Oh, already. Any other recommendations for us, Scott? For spooky games? Uh, yes, I do have one other one uh, that I think is is really fun. Um, and, and there's a there's kind of a follow up to it. I want to get it's a different game, but. Uh, I forget the company because um, I got to I got to looking at something else here and and, and I haven't I haven't pulled it up yet because I'm I'm that bad of a host, you know. But that's okay because uh, it won't take me but just a second to get it here. It came out in 2015. It's called Mysterium, uh, uh-huh. published by Libellid, I guess. I don't know if you've played this or not. Doesn't sound familiar. Okay, so. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna liken it to Clue. Okay. Which you I, hate. I hate Clue. <laughs> um but only in the fact that uh basically it's a it's a it's a whodunit. So you've got so it, it's it's cooperative, okay? Uh one person is playing a ghost, uh uh playing the ghost of the person who has been killed. Just like include somebody's been killed, um, and you've got basically um, uh, you've got three stages. You've got who did it, with what, and where, and where they did it. Okay, so that's that's what those cards have been picked at the beginning. Okay. Okay. Um, and I 
think I think there's actually a different. I'm not sure if there's a different one for each or, or not. But the other people uh, are playing psychics, uh, mediums who are you know in the in the house where where, where this person's killed. They're trying to figure this out. They're 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 trying to figure this out, right? And they've got a time limit. Uh, and the way this works is the uh, the ghost, whoever's playing the ghost, uh, has a deck of cards that all that it's just it's just wonky art. Okay, it's just think, you know, Alice in Wonderland, uh, the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus, with the, on a little bit of an acid trip. Uh, okay. Okay, uh, on this art. So this art is all over the place. And this art represents the visions that the ghost gives the, the players. So so for each investigator, you're 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 basically each each investigator has their own little things that they're they're doing and all all of the the cards that they can pick are are out there and stuff and you are trying so it's like like let's say Let's say the the object that they they that was killed was poison, and uh, you got a you got a little art card of a glass vial of poison is one of the things they can choose from, and you have in your hand you have these cards that are visions, and you've got to give them to the players, and you're trying to find something like which card, in my opinion, best represents that. I'm trying to find something that has art or some element in it that I think would point them to what I want them to pick. And that's the only way you can communicate. I think Which, we have played that. That sounds familiar. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I love this game. I don't get a chance to play it that often. I hate the setup on this game because the setup is annoying as hell. Um, but but I do love the game. And, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's some mechanics that let you redraw your, your hand of cards and cycle through cards and stuff. You really hate the art that you're given. But the fact that you're a ghost giving psychic visions to psychic investigators uh, and stuff. Because one of the, one of the mechanics when, when you're doing a, a cooperative game, uh, th- there's, there's a number of things that, that kind of have to be done to make a cooperative game fun. Uh, one is you can, you can have a time limit, you can have a timer and, and, and keep them going. But in my opinion, the best one is limited communication rules. Uh, something that restricts the flow of information amongst the players. And of course this does it with the vision cards. That's the, that's the only communication from the ghost to the players. The, the ghost can't tell the players anything like look for red or look for glass or, you know, you, you can't can't do that. Uh, so that, that's part of the reason why I like it is I love that mechanic. It, it, it's a good one. Yeah, we definitely played that before. I remember that trying to to key off images to match stuff. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Um, first time I played it, I was one of the investigators and, and my buddy Steve, uh, who has been on this show with the Castlevania episode. He sure has. He's the one that uh, introduced me to it. He was the ghost. And I kept yelling at him. Uh, I'm like, dude, give me better cards. This sucks. You're a shitty ghost. And then the next game we played, I'm like, I want to be the ghost. And I was looking at my cards, and I'm like, wow, this is hard. <laughs> Damn it, I want better cards. Oh, but it is very fun. Uh, I, I do enjoy it. 
All right. Uh, well, then the last one I have, um, still in the realm of video games, and and uh, Scott tipped his hat to it earlier. Uh, and shameless plug, we have a whole episode about this. Well, this game and the the, the franchise around it. Uh, you can check out on our previous episodes. Castlevania for the Nintendo Entertainment System uh, is my final pick for games to play during spooky season. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Uh, first of all, this game has one of the best soundtracks of any old school 80s uh, NES game. The The title track, Vampire Slayer, has been redone so many times in so many other Castlevania games and by tons of rock groups and heavy metal bands because it's just it's it's become iconic. Uh, but I love this game because it was inspired by and is a love letter to the old school horror cinema of Universal Monsters and the uh, Hammer horror films of the 60s. Your Wolfman, your Draculas, your Frankensteins. Uh, you know, it's got everything. It's a giant, dark, gloomy castle. You know, you, you play as a character who is invading Dracula's castle to go take out Dracula and you are fighting all the creatures of the night that are there to defend, uh, protect him from bats to floating Medusa heads to uh, uh, um, swamp creatures in the lower levels. Uh, you even fight death itself at one point because death is a minion of Dracula in this universe. Um, it's great old school gaming fun. It is challenging enough to keep you playing. Uh, or if you're Scott, keep you breaking controllers. Um, but it is not so harsh and difficult. You feel unfair. It's just one of those keep playing, get good, you'll get through it kind of games. I love it. Uh, I know there's tons of Dracula games out there. Uh, I think there's we counted something like 27 games over the the 30 plus years the franchise has been around. But for me, I always go back to that original because that's until college, like the only version I ever played. Uh, so the, for me, it doesn't get any better than the original Castlevania on NES. My final pick. Mm. See, once again, I still I love the idea of Castlevania. <laughs> and the actual games. That's I mean, fair. I mean, I just I want I want a good you know third person. Uh, over the shoulder, you know, Batman Arkham Asylum kind of control style Castlevania game. Well, did you ever play the God of War games for PlayStation? I played the most recent one. Okay, I meant the older ones. Yeah, I never played any of the older ones. Okay, then. Yeah, but... See, there is a newer version, uh, a re reboot of the franchise called. Castlevania Lords of Shadow that was essentially a God of War style game with the Castlevania trappings, but it does feature uh, a supporting character and narration by Patrick Stewart. So that might hook you in. It is definitely from like 2014, but it's still the most modern Castlevania game we've gotten to date. So close as you're going to get. We have to check that one out. For now, anyway. For now. So, anyway. Anything left, Scott? No, no, that's that's about All the right gambit then. of my my spooky season games that I that I play. 
uh, and stuff. I am getting ready to I'm d- diving into the world of Call of Cthulhu for role playing games. Yes, um, but I haven't actually ran one of those yet. But I'm looking forward to that after our character generation get together, which felt like a month ago. It was. I think about, it was a month ago. <laughs> I don't think it was a month. I think it was about was it two weeks. It was, it was before Iowa. Yeah. If it was before Iowa, then it was before it was before Sin City Con because that was the weekend before, wasn't it? That sounds right. Yeah, so it was about a month ago. Session zero. Time flies when you're Session. not. <laughs> so there you go. That's our list for best games to play this spooky season. And again, I know when this episode drops, spooky season will technically be over, but hopefully listening to this episode and playing some of the games we recommended today will help you extend the greatest season of all spooky season. Um, because I mean, no one really celebrates Thanksgiving until like the week of Thanksgiving. So really the first couple weeks in November are just like belated spooky season. That's how I look at it. Yep. All right. Well, that's all we've got for today. We hope you enjoyed this. Um, till next time. This has been your weekly Nerd Alert.